Welcome to After the Smoke Clears, the podcast where we explore the stories of resilience and triumph after overcoming adversity. In this episode, we are excited to present our first ever full interview. And don't forget to follow us on social media to ask us questions, interact, and you know, know when we post. Uh, so our TikTok is at After the Smoke Clears, and our Instagram is After the Smoke Clears Podcast. Awesome. So today we are joined by two individuals who share a love for working on cars and have a wealth of knowledge to share with us. Bryson and Scott are both experienced car enthusiasts who have spent countless hours under the hood tuning engines and upgrading their rides. They have a deep understanding of the mechanics behind cars and are always interested to share their insights with others. So, I mean, I'll just ask you the first question. What sparked your interest in cars and how did you become a car enthusiast? Bryson, if you want to go first. What sparked my interest in cars happened very young. I mean, it was from watching movies and just what I was exposed to, family being involved in dealerships and whatnot. And working on cars was my best friend, Cam, which we worked together at a completely different job. But he went to school for mechanics for a few years and kind of helped me get into it. Not really helped me, but like I just had an interest in it since he did. Yeah. And then after that, it kind of I pretty much never stopped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scott for me um, I purchased my first car and I wanted to save some money so I asked Bryson to help me out in learning the the little things I could do mm-hmm. and after I learned that I realized that it was definitely something I really enjoyed doing um, by little things do you mean like maintenance jobs yeah like exactly yeah. oil, like changes, oil changes brakes etc mm-hmm. yeah. alright I mean it's a good liaison into the next thing what is your least favorite maintenance job to do on your vehicle? Scott. <laughs> I mean, I'm at the point right now where I kind of enjoy them still because it's so early on for me. Like, I only started three years ago yeah. working on cars. Enjoy right. what? <laughs> enjoy maintenance. Like, doing oil changes, doing brakes. Like, to me, it's just, like, it's rewarding after. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind doing it. Yeah, that like end result and doing it with your own two hands. I would say, if it was anything, I would say like changing lights. Because like I always get my arm like cut up because it's like such a small space. Yeah. Something. I don't know. Yeah. My least favorite, probably two things. Oil changes just because they're boring, repetitive. Second thing, suspension. It just bothers me. Takes too long. Only works like 50% of the time. It's expensive. So, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So, what's your favorite job or service to do on your car? Scott? <laughs> um, I would say, like, visual things that you actually see. Like, I've done a lot of, like, I don't know, just, like, changing your shift knob or, like, getting Apple CarPlay in your car. Um, things that you actually notice. Like, I'm sure Bryce can, can talk on, like, actual, like... Yeah, my favorite is probably like aftermarket performance modification, like stuff to gain power. Yeah. I mean, I am also interested in the way the vehicle looks. That is a big thing, but probably power would take first spot for me because normally it makes a car more fun. Yeah, the result is sick. Fair enough. All right, so have you ever experienced burnout or frustration with working on cars and if so how did you overcome it and you know get back to the job or whatever it was i've definitely experienced burnout from working on cars just 
from being frustrated from things not working and trying over and over seems to happen more when I work by myself. And then the only solution that I've found for it is stepping away from it, whether it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day, even a week and sometimes. That's just what you need to do for it to figure it out. Yeah, just taking a step back. Yeah. Fair enough. Scott? Burnout? Um, yeah. If I get stuck, though, I usually just call Bryson. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he somehow magically f- fixes the problem or, like, tells me, like, gives me another, uh, like, point of view. So. Yeah. Yeah. But you still probably get, like, frustrated with certain oh, jobs for sure. or, like, repetitive action That's or something. That's just part of working on cars. You're going to yeah. get frustrated. Yeah. For sure. Usually just, like, like Bryson said, walk away for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Think about it, yeah. Also, yeah. but that is more fun, though, because it is challenging, and that's one of the reasons I work on cars, which is why I find things like oil changes not fun, because they're not challenging. They don't make you think, right? And they don't... There's nothing really to learn, right? Yeah. Like It's like like three steps four steps maybe Mhm. yeah fair enough and there's nothing to gain it just comes out as the same car it was before right so just fair enough yeah just new oil yeah exactly which <laughs> is like very vital to the car like i'm not saying don't do it but like obviously i'm just not a big fan of doing it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and it's not as exciting as something that would like add horsepower um what advice would you give to someone who is just starting out working on cars? And what are some common mistakes to avoid? If you've got someone with you, ask every question you can. And yeah, if you don't have someone with you, go on Facebook, go on forums and stuff like that. And just ask the questions that you have. Because I mean, like, yeah, there's going to be the boomers on there that are going to make fun of you for not knowing simple things. But there eventually will be one guy that will help you out. And common mistakes is don't get intimidated by jobs no matter how complex that they sound because they were designed to be done and people have done it before. So, I mean, like, if you're someone handy, you'll be able to figure it out eventually. Right. What forums would you recommend? Well, I mean, depending on the car, right? Oh, it's like, different for like my car, it's, like, Camaro5.com, right? Where, like, the 6 right, would right. be Camaro6.com. You kind of just, like, you'll look up, like, say I've got... A 1991 Honda Civic. I would look up that generation of Honda Civic forums, and normally your problem would also be in the search. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, if I wanted to know why the power seat didn't work in my car, I would punch in, like, power seat issue Camaro 5, and then it would pop up. Fair enough. Yeah. I would say just, like, have patience for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, thing You don't learn it overnight, but after some time you'll definitely pick some stuff some stuff up and yeah yeah what has been the most rewarding aspect of your work with cars i would say just like do completing oil changes doing brakes and like seeing how it actually like affects the vehicle or like like actually feeling how your your work pays out like i would say that's the rewarding part like like outcomes the outcome yeah Mm -hmm. like seeing that all the work you put in was worth it yep i'd say i agree i don't really have anything different to answer i mean that's kind of what everyone's chasing right anything that you do you want normally the outcome you don't really want the journey there but i mean the journey is fun sometimes Mm -hmm. but 
Yeah. Most people don't. Yeah, okay. if you're going to go to school, like, what are you really chasing? Like, you're chasing the diploma at the end. 100%. Right? And it's a lot more fun to look back on the journey when the outcome is good. You know? Yeah, when you actually hit the outcome. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, next. Have you ever had a major project or repair that went wrong? If so, how did you handle it and learn from it? Scooter. Paint repair? <laughs> Scott. <laughs> Paint repair? Um, yeah, I would say like when you use a touch-up pen, make sure you know use a like, what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that don't know, the instructions are on the label. <laughs> yeah, you can read those. Um, I just opened it up and figured, oh, I'll figure this out. Yeah, he didn't. It's all right. It worked out in the end, right? Yeah, we're good now. Do so, you have Do you have another answer than that? You can. Like, I just, I just thought it'd be funny. Remind me of the question again. Um, have you ever had a major project or repair that went wrong? If so, how did you handle the situation, and what did you learn from it? I'm not gonna lie, the most difficult thing I've dealt with is my truck suspension, and I stored it. <laughs> you stored That's it. That's how I've been dealing with it. I have <laughs> dumped money, time, asked about everyone I know, and can't figure it out, so I store it. Yeah, you did what you said earlier. You're taking a step back. Yeah, and now I'm going to take about a six-month step back and enjoy my other vehicle. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, moving on. What is the most interesting car-related fact or piece of trivia that you know? Just a random interesting car fact. Hmm. About, it can be about a specific model or just cars in general. Or It's a vague question. Oh, I got one. Go for it. Electric cars... If you're driving in the cold, the battery's going to drain a lot faster. Like a phone? Yeah. Electric. Literally like yeah. an iPhone yeah. where they drain? iPhone batteries, car batteries, like portable chargers, they're all lithium-powered batteries. Mm-hmm. Right? So lithium reacts the same to, like, like the phone battery is going to react the same to temperature as the car battery would. Yeah. yeah. Right? Which is why, like, even if you are have, like, a gasoline or a diesel vehicle, like, the battery actually will struggle to start more in the cold. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if your sole power source when the vehicle's on is a battery, then you're kind of fucked, right? Because it's going to drain quicker. Right? Yeah. Like if it was a diesel vehicle or a gas vehicle, once the car starts, it'll start charging the battery back up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. So, next question What is your dream car and why? I actually got the chance to drive one of these recently. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Porsche GT4. That car is sick. Standard, obviously. What do you like about it? What is there not to like? It's a GT4. Yeah. The sound, the speed, the interior is crazy. I don't know, everything. Build quality. Yeah. Do you have a year preference? Honestly, I'd probably say brand new. Yeah. Like 2023. Straight from the... Straight from the dealership. There's nothing right. I really see wrong with that car right now. <laughs> uh, Bryson? C7 Corvette ZR1. Do you have a year preference? They're only made in 2019. Color preference? No. I honestly could not care less. If I get my hands on one of those cars, <laughs> I'll take any color. Yeah, he'll take it. All right. What is your favorite car-related memory or experience? My favorite. I would say just like all the times where I'm just like having a good time laughing with the boys out back. Um, fucking the time we almost 
Took a torch to your car. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, maybe that was your favorite for you. Yeah, we didn't do it. We didn't. We didn't actually. We ended, ended up and we ended up. Josh didn't that stop. Was really he, he didn't know did. why he was stopping. <laughs> and at the I end just of the come day, out the Josh is day, like, they're taking a torch to your car. I'm like, what? And at the end of the day, me and Scott finished the job. It wasn't Josh. No, Josh didn't do that's it. That's true. For sure. That's true. My so favorite, that's your favorite memories. <laughs> my favorite memory, fun. I don't know. Like, there's a bunch of them with cars. I mean, like, probably what's like. I'm not saying this is like the best memory I have, but this is something I have a ton of fun doing. Is like when you work on cars with buddies, like at the same time, like you're both kind of doing something, and then the both the jobs go well, which is rare, and then you get to go out and drive the cars together, which is also rare. And then like you get to like cruise down the highway. Like, there was one time I went down with a bunch of guys down to, like White Rock Pier. Yeah. And we got to bring like 10, 15 cars down there and end up like, I don't know. That's just a good memory because like that's the shit that you see in movies. Yeah, that right? sounds like a moment. Mm-hmm. It sounds like an experience. Yeah. Like cruising on the highway down to like White Rock Pier at sunset and like yeah. grabbing a beer and a burger and then yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite car brand? Chevy, General Motors. Scott? I don't know. I haven't really, like... Mazda. <laughs> Come on, Scott. No, I, like, I, I seriously haven't really, like, picked or, like, know enough about all the brands to know which one I like the most. Like, there's a lot of good brands out there. Um, Honestly, if I were you, I'd probably say Porsche. They're pretty good. But, like, <laughs> I, you honestly have to give it to Chevy in the end. Like, they are the most marketable and like they've been around for the longest time and they've always put out also cars. more affordable than Porsche. yeah affordable cars <laughs> too. what do you think sets apart a good car from a great car build quality 100 yeah. percent. and i'm not even talking like just like mechanical that is a major aspect of it i mean how reliable the vehicle is but like when you sit in a car and like you play music or anything like that, and then you can hear all the plastic and shit rattling, mm-hmm. and you can just feel that it's cheap. When you shut the doors, it just doesn't sound right. Yeah. You get a lot of totally. road noise. Like when I Paint keep saying quality. Porsche, like build quality, that's one of the things I'm leaning towards. It's just the quality of interior. Like you get in that car and you're like, okay, this is a Porsche. Yep. Right? Yeah. Right? There's, there's a reason there's like a, like a saying behind it. Like you don't need to jump right to the Porsche. Right? Yeah. But. I, yeah, paint quality is another big one too. Like if you look at like Mercedes, they're bad paint quality now because really tons of orange peel from their brand new vehicles. What's orange peel? It's like where the paint looks like grainy almost. When the clear coat lays, if it's too thick or not sprayed in the right density or dipped or anything like that, you get orange peel. You see it mm-hmm. a lot from cars that have been exposed to sun a lot. Like you go down to like states like yeah, I see what you're Arizona, Texas, stuff like that. That's where you're gonna find a little bit more of is it. Is it kind of like that, like glare in a clear phone case after a while, like that sort of like it's murkiness? Similar. It's similar. Like, it's like yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really like it doesn't hit the eye nicely. Yeah, I know exactly what you're referring to, Scott. What do you think? I definitely would have to agree. Just like the feel of every little thing. Like if it's plastic, if it's like you feel it when you're driving. You can hear it. You can like. I don't know, every little thing that you're, like, touching, like... Also, it being yeah. stick. Yeah. Yeah, and then if you you drive in a nicer car, everything is just feels solid. Like, if you try to shake, like, the center console, it doesn't fucking move. 
Whereas, like, if you're in a cheaper car and you try to shake it, that thing moves like crazy. Yeah, that's right. And that's not me saying I don't like my old shit boxes because I still, I still got a thing <laughs> uh, for those. You still got to have them, too. Yeah, of course. But you just you know, know every, what they every, are. Every yeah. once in a while, it's nice to go to, like, the dealership and, like, feel, like, sit in one and be like, yeah, this is, this is really good build quality and then leave and then hop into the rattly shit box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's humbling. Tribal. It's a very yeah. humbling experience. Um, all right. What is your opinion on the future of the automotive industry, particularly in relation to electric cars and self-driving technology? Scott, start us off. This is going to be a big one. All right. First of all, <laughs> I do not trust self-driving technology at all. Like, I don't, I've I don't seen think I'd some ever videos online of like people being driven in like Uber-esque cars, like a Jag you and I saw the other day. Yeah. And it was self-driving. And that, that freaks me out. That scares me a lot. Like, a lot of jobs, I'm not going to get into that, but, like... Okay, in the same token that it scares you, though, living in Vancouver... It might be better. Their self-driving might be a little bit better than some of the drivers we get on the road. <laughs> like, there are multiple people that, like, park on my, like, I mean, you're front lawn at work. Yeah, there's some people that are scarier than the self-driving. Yeah, that's that's true. Right? So, I mean, like, yeah, there is the aspect of failure there. And, I mean, I'm not saying I trust technology in that manner. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's the perfect solution. I feel like... For self-driving to work, you would have to, it would be like a more of like an all or none thing, right? Where like either all cars in certain areas of the city are self-driving or don't do it at all. You don't think it can be like a human self-driving mix? Well, no, like that, that could be like you're saying in separate vehicles. Yeah, like no, a bunch I, of humans, I genuinely bunch don't think they ever work. I mean, like, cars. how could you road rage at a car with no one in the driver's seat? <laughs> like, you just point also, at like, the camera. But... There's so much with driving, though, that, like, yes, this posted speed limit in city streets of Vancouver is 50 kilometers an hour, but traffic moves at 60. Yeah. So when you're designing these cars now, are you going to mandate these cars to move with the flow of traffic, or are you going to make them drive the speed limit, right? Which, I mean, especially on major highways in BC, no one, like, they set the speed limits at 80 or 90, sometimes it's 100, and no one really does that. Like, you have a buffer to go kind of 10 over the limit really anywhere. Yeah. And especially with the flow of traffic. Like, if the flow of traffic is moving at 100, and now you've got a car doing 80, right? Like, that's not going to end up well. I mean, first of all, it's just going to back traffic up, which we do not need more of yeah, anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Right? But yeah. And then what happens when you put those cars into, like, really condensed areas like downtown Vancouver? Like... You've got people pulling out of areas without looking. Like, how quick are these cars going to react? And what happens in the case of an accident? How do you swap insurance with no one? Yeah, that's actually What happens if a cop pulls over? Like, what if a... I think you would have to get a cop involved, but what if the thing just keeps driving? No, but what if this autopilot car is driving, like, speed of traffic, goes, like, 70 or something. Cop pulls them over. I'm sure they have something in them that, like, I could recognize a cop siren and pull over. But also, like... I'm not saying it wouldn't pull over, but I'm saying... Who gets a ticket? Probably the company that owns it or whoever it is personally or whatever. But, like, I'm sure that they're, like... They would have to design it so that couldn't happen, though. Yeah, I'm sure they're... Which is what I'm saying about, like, it's not being... Like, it's not going to be able to sense the speed of traffic. I think they'll be, like, regular... That was breaking the law. It wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'll have to register them in the city you're in or whatever. Or, like, the maps, maybe it'll just follow. It'll know... The direct, like the the laws or whatever, I I don't know. But you, Bryson has a point about like, can it follow the speed of traffic though? Because will it just look at it and be like fifty is my max when mm. that's not the reality? Mm. So that'll be interesting. Cause like you know, in the car's mind, is it speeding going sixty? Is that too fat? Like you know, will it do it? That's gonna be yeah hard to tell. But what about um electric cars? I mean, 
scam. I think the <laughs> if they, I mean, like if particularly they, in relation to like environment and them saying like. I mean, if you want to talk environment, I mean, like, yeah, gas and diesel does put emissions into the into the air. That, that's undeniable. It does happen, but. What runs electric cars? Batteries. Lithium batteries, particularly. Lithium has to be mined, and you have to dig deep to mine this. There's not a lot of it, and what are they using to mine? I guarantee you they're not using batteries, not battery-powered vehicles, yeah. right? Yeah, Everything's powered by diesel, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the only things that can really can't handle doing that, right? I mean, like, if you wanted to put, if you wanted to say that, okay, let's convert those to electric as well, the issue you're running into is one, the amount of lithium we have, and then the second thing would be what happens with all these old batteries. Once they go bad, I mean, not even to mention the cost, they, they cost 20, 30 grand to replace. What do we do with them? What do we do in 10 years' time when every car from the last five years needs a new battery? What happens with these old batteries now? Yeah. Recycling these batteries is going to be different than like recycling your fucking double A batteries. Yeah, and I think because of, like, the battery costs, like, the accessibility to them is very limited. Like, if you're, I don't know, early or late teens or, like, early 20s, are you going to be able to afford an electric car? Probably not. So if, like, people would want it, it's not even accessible. But, Scott, what do you think? I also think that how do, like, we charge electric cars with electricity, but a lot of the time we make electricity with gas. So... Are we really like, yeah, so like we produce this electricity to charge our electric cars thinking, oh, it's electric powered, but how do we get this electricity? Yeah, it doesn't come out of thin air. Yeah, like I do like wind power and so like wind power and solar power are enough. It's not enough. Like we still use other. Especially if we switch to all electric. There was a thing that happened in California where. Well, one, they, they flat out said that we do not have enough power to charge all the electric vehicles, which shut down the grid. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, like, if you're shutting down the grid at this point, like, how are you going to be capable? Because I think they were the one of the first ones to say by 2030 or 2035, we're going full electric with our vehicles. And, I mean, California's always been the strictest on emissions when it comes to vehicles. Like, they got their smog tests every two years or whatnot. Yeah. But how are you planning on generating enough power for them to be able to charge all these cars. Like, simply put, like, it's just not going to work. No, I totally agree. And honestly, like, when we think about how many vehicles actually currently exist in the world, gas vehicles, switching to all electric, we have to consider where all of that metal material is going. That is wasteful. That is not going to help the environment at all. And to me, it feels like almost... I don't know if you guys agree with me, but it feels like almost like a ploy to make more money instead of the actual truth. Like, I think, you know, getting rid of all those cars, throwing them into landfills or wherever they go, and then not having the electricity to sustain all these new vehicles that are being made that could just be thrown away to the side eventually. How is that better for the environment? Also, I mean, like, how the fuck are you going to shut out all gas vehicles when oil companies really run the world? Yeah, that's very true. Like, they hold tons of money. Yeah. Right? So. Yep. All right. We should last... probably move past that. <laughs> yep. We'll get into electric cars a little bit later in a future episode. So we'll leave it there. Are there any specific skills or qualities that you developed working on cars that you still rely on today in your personal life? 
Definitely. Problem solving. Persistence. You learn to work with other people too. Yep. Like I'm not gonna lie, sometimes I get frustrated. Like I've not that much with Scott, I'm not gonna lie. But like <laughs> my brother. He's pretty easy to work with, Scott. Yeah, my brother, a little bit different. He's not exactly like me in the sense of hands on stuff. And when I ask him for help, I get frustrated as if he should know, but he doesn't. Yeah, but I mean it's not it's not everyone's niche, right? So Yeah. To the same extent as Scott, too. Like, yeah, you're willing to take that because you really want to. Yeah. We have passion. Mm-hmm. If you have a passion for something, it's obviously going to be a lot easier to stay persistent in it, right? And I mean, like, if you have a passion for something, like, yeah, someone kind of snapping at you a couple of times won't bother you as much as if, like, if it's something you don't want to do and then someone snaps at you, you're more likely to throw in the towel. Yeah, 100%. Right? 100%. So for this next segment, we are going to do a this car or that car rapid fire with Bryson. So let's just let's just go. Lamborghini Aventador SVJ or Bugatti Chiron? Bugatti. Ferrari 488 GTB or McLaren 720S? 488. Porsche 911 GT2 RS or Aston Martin DBS Superleggera? GT2 RS. Audi R8 V10 Performance or Mercedes AMG GTR? R8. Okay, Ford GT or Koenigsegg Agera RS? Koenigsegg. 1969 Dodge Charger Daytona or 1970 Plymouth Hemi Cuda? 69 Charger. 1967 Chevrolet Impala SS 427 or 1969 Mercury Cougar Eliminator? 67 Impala. Damn right. 1968 Pontiac Firebird 400 or 1971 Buick GSX? Firebird. 1967 Shelby GT500 or 1970 Chevrolet Chevelle SS 454? Chevelle SS. 1969 Chevy Camaro Z28 or 1970 Dodge Challenger RT? Z28. 1969 Chevrolet Corvette Stingray or 1970 Oldsmobile 442? Corvette. 1969 Ford Mustang Boss 429 or 1970 Pontiac GTO Judge? GTO. 1963 Corvette Stingray C2 or 1990 Corvette ZR1? I guess ZR1. 1967 Corvette Stingray L88 or 2009 Corvette ZR1? ZR1. 1982 Corvette C3 Collector Edition or 2014 Corvette Stingray C7? Mm, C7. 1953 Corvette C1 or 2019 Corvette ZR1? ZR1. 1996 Corvette Grand Sport or 2020 Corvette Stingray C8? C8. 1967 Camaro Z28 or 1970 Camaro Z28? 67. 1973 Camaro Z28 LT or 1987 Camaro IROC-Z? I like the IROC-Z. 1993 Camaro Z28 or 2002 Camaro SS 35th Anniversary? 2002. 2010 Camaro SS or 2018 Camaro ZL1 one LE. Are you biased in this one? 100%. The first one's my car, but I would still take a ZL11 LE. <laughs> Exquisite. 
1969 Camaro SS 396 or 2012 Camaro ZL1? 69. For this next segment, we will delve into Bryson's personal journey and the strategies he uses to overcome his hardships. So Bryson, can you tell us about a particularly challenging thing you are going through in your life? A particularly hard thing I go through is probably my work and school and social life balance. Just, I mean, like, work, obviously my jobs, school, and then that doesn't even include working on vehicles, which, I mean, I don't just work on my own. I work on several people's. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it does get overwhelming how many people are, like, texting or calling or asking me about this and about that and when I can get to that and when I can get to this and I barely even know when I can get to my own vehicle. For sure. Just because like sometimes I'm working like seven days a week and I don't even have time to like do laundry let alone diagnose a car. For the people listening do you want to tell them like what you do for work like what your jobs are? Well I got one job working at a hockey store which I do a couple times a week. Mm -hmm. I also coach hockey full-time. Mm-hmm. I also privately train players. I also coach spring hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something I'm forgetting, but whatever. It's not yeah, all of that on top of like school and your personal life and cars. It's it's a lot. Like I mean, it takes up basically every single waking hour you have. It feels like from the sound of it. No, it literally does. How do you manage to balance the demands of school, work, and your personal life? And what strategies have you found the most effective? Coffee. <laughs> I just never, I just, I, I guess not sleeping that much is kind of the thing that I found. I mean, I'm normally busy from right when I wake up to right when I go to bed. Yeah. I guess what also helps me is the last, like, hour before I go to sleep, I, like, turn my phone off completely. I'm like, I kind of just don't engage in that at all whether i watch tv or occasionally like throw a video game on which doesn't happen very often but yeah i normally throw tv on that's kind of what i do yeah do you like schedule your day at all so that you can get all these things done like do you write yourself a schedule or do you just kind of like i schedule it in my mind pretty strictly Mm -hmm. i don't normally write it because i just don't need to that's just not the way my brain works Mm -hmm. I, i i mean i don't know like i kind of start with a list at the in the morning well, I have coffee in my head, and then I go from there. Yeah, it's a good way to approach it. So, balancing all this stuff, as you said, it's like exhausting. How do you think this experience will like impacts you emotionally, physically, mentally? Like you know, being so busy, not really having free time. It definitely has its negative sides, but I mean, I'm also not the kind of person that likes to have that much idle time. I feel kind of useless when I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really like itching to like. have days off i mean like it would be nice every here and there when i'm burning out i mean ideally what i would want is a vacation just like a week two weeks even a weekend of like just a period of time where i don't have to worry about anything but the only vacations i go on are for the hockey right so i'm still technically working there right it's not really like a vacation when you're spending 90 percent of your time Working. Working, right? (laughs) Yeah, and networking. Yeah. Fair enough. So, have you ever used cars or working on cars as a form of escape from, like, your balance of, like, you know, or your, like, work and your school? 100%. I Probably one of the big reasons I stayed with working on cars 
was just because it was just kind of like a mind turnoff. Mm-hmm. Or like I didn't have to worry about this or that or this and school and all that bullshit. I could kind of just fall into exactly what I was doing. The only thing that was on my mind was doing that. Yeah. Right. And I mean, even I do work on cars to also think things through. When something happens that I want to think about, I mean, like that kind of is the best setting for me to do it because, like, especially if I'm working on the car and I know what I'm doing, where it's not like, oh, how do I do this or I need to figure out how to do that. It's not really. I don't normally do that. I'll normally do jobs that I know how to do, whether it's like tearing apart suspension and reinstalling it, which is straightforward. You don't really have to think about that. But yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Getting your brain going in like beneficial mm-hmm. ways, and yeah, stepping away. The big from thing the... is keeping my hands moving. Fair like, enough. Always yeah. having my hands moving is a big one. Yeah. So, um, relating to what you said earlier about burnout, how do you stay motivated and avoid burnout? When you're juggling multiple responsibilities, like what self-care practices do you prioritize? Kind of like what you said earlier with watching TV and turning your phone off. What other kind of things do you do? I always like hanging out with my girlfriend. I mean, that's, like that's what I like to do, but yeah, it's only when I can, right? I mean, I can't think of anything else that like I do religiously that helps me. Yep. I mean, I kind of just like it's more of just a view of like I don't really have a fucking choice. I mean, I guess you've listed a lot of things, so relating to that, what are your favorite comfort shows, like TV shows? <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I'm so tired at the end of the day that like whatever show I throw on, it's something I've watched multiple times. Mm-hmm. Like I just rotate between like a couple, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yep. Suits, Family Guy, like just standard stuff like that. Like the stuff that I've seen probably a dozen times over each. Yep. And it's more just kind of to fall asleep and have something playing in the background. Fair enough. Scott, do you have any comfort shows? Modern Family. Yeah. Blackish. Yeah, mine's Blackish <laughs> for sure. Blackish is a good one. Yeah. How do you see the issue of school, work, and life balance evolving in the future? What changes would you like to see in the workplace, in schools, and in society more broadly? Like, you know, with the amount of tasks that you're being handed, or maybe like the amount of hours that you have to work in a week to make a livable wage, like... Do you think that those things should change in society or do you think that they're good for us? I mean, obviously, like, routine and requirement is good, right? Like, when it comes to school, like, showing up consistently, that, but condense it is my advice. Make it shorter. Yeah. Make the assignments. Maybe make them bigger, but make less of them. Get it so people can actually get to what they're working for, especially when it comes to school. You want people to be in school for four or five years for an undergrad, two years for a master's, two, three years for a PhD. You're 30. Right? Like, you're 30. I understand that you need to learn everything, but I mean, like, there are programs that are half the length of others because they condense it and they pile on more work at the start, but like, or throughout that period. But yeah, I mean, just also adapting to different kinds of people because not everyone is going to respond the exact same way. Yeah. Right? Like, there's no saying that, like, Scott is going to learn the exact same way as me in school. Yeah. Right? But there's only really one way that's taught. Yeah, there's only really one way to do it. If he doesn't, if he's unable of learning that way, and I'm incapable of learning that way, that's already two people that just can't learn that way. So what happens to us? I mean, in reality, the system just kind of tells you, you're fucked. This isn't for you to do something else. When in reality, you could be like, I want to learn, but this isn't my way. Yeah. Yeah, it is tough. I mean, also with you know, pertaining to the amount of years that you have school, if you want to attain these levels of education, I think like the tough part about an undergrad, you know, the 
average amount of time it takes is five years. The tough part is that how many of those courses are actually applied to what you are directly doing and how much, how many of them are just electives or something unrelated regarding your major, you know, like I understand that it makes you a more renaissance and educated person overall. However, I don't know. Yeah. There's something to be said about adding years onto your program. And I feel like maybe my thought would be like, you would maybe get a choice on if you wanted to do. And I'm like, some people like, yeah, like that's for them. Like, Go nuts, take your time, do seven courses a semester if you enjoy it, you want to learn about different stuff. But, like, if you don't, what if you just want to go in? Like, if you go in and, like, you take, like, a trade. Yeah. Right? You take, like, a trade. Say, I want to learn how to be a plumber. Right? For example. Like, I know that's obviously not as, like, interesting as being a doctor. But, like, if I go in and learn how to be a plumber, they're not going to teach me about mechanics. Mm-hmm. I don't have to spend the first year of the program learning about mechanics. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Where, like, yeah. if I went into a bachelor's program for philosophy, there would be a language requirement in that. Mm-hmm. And I would have to learn, like, French, Spanish, or Mandarin, or Punjabi, or whatever it is. But why? That has nothing to do with actually what I'm learning. I mean, like, if anything, if it's philosophy, probably the closest thing would be Latin. But yeah, like, yeah. you still don't need to require that for someone to finish that degree, right? So I guess that's kind of my point. Yeah, that's kind of like where I'm at as well, where I'm like, it should be a decision if you choose to like do all these electives and broaden it, like broaden your education, go ahead, but you should be able to graduate with just all the requirements that pertain to what you want to do. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, my last question for you is, what do you think that you've learned about yourself from this balance of like university all these jobs, your personal life. Like, what have you learned about yourself through doing this? Um, I don't like to quit. I'm not big mm-hmm. on quitting. You're resilient. No. As much as I hate things, I still don't really quit doing them. There's a lot of things I do every day that I hate, but... Mm-hmm. Unless it's just more like... You just don't really have a choice, right? Like, yeah. if you don't do it, you're the only person that's going to affect. Mm-hmm. Actually, I will ask you one more question. If you could talk to your first year self, what would you say? Take the year off. <laughs> to what? Work, travel, learn more. Surround mm-hmm. yourself with different people. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's university. probably what I would say. I mean, don't jump right into it, I guess. don't rush through it Mm -hmm. it's probably what i would say because i mean like the issue with jumping right into university after for some people i'm not saying this is for all is yeah you want to get the degree you want to get the degree over and done with right but Mm -hmm. in getting that degree over and done with you are burning four or five years of your life and i mean like that's 18 to 22 23 years old Right? You really want to waste those years? And then what? You're going to go to school again after that for some. Not for all, but for some. Yeah. And then you're 25, 27, you're still in school. I mean, like, that doesn't really sound that fun. It feels like a tough trade-off to give away the prime years of your life and just expect that, okay, in my 40s I'll be cruising. But it's like, okay, but you've lost a lot of your, I don't know, your prime. It's yeah. a scary also, thought. Like, what, you want to enjoy everything when you're not, like, physically as able to? Yeah. Like, what if I wanted to go, like, I'm not saying I want to do this, but what if I go to Hawaii and learn how to surf? Like, I can't do yeah. that when I'm 60. 
Like, that's not something I'm physically going to be capable of doing. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, most people won't. I mean, like, maybe some guys will. Yeah. But I, most people won't. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I would definitely look back and say, like, if I was that age, I was looking back, I'd definitely regret it. Right? Yeah. I mean, there are people that I've talked to at those ages. Like, yeah, I do regret it. Yep. Yeah. All right. So thank you, Bryson, for joining us to share your passion and knowledge on cars and car mechanics and for sharing your experiences of balancing school, work, and your personal life. And a big thank you to our listeners for joining us for another episode. We appreciate your support and your interest in our podcast. Remember to follow us on social media where you can stay up to date on all our latest episodes and news. You can also send us your questions or comments via direct message on Instagram at After the Smoke Clears Podcast. We'll be back soon with more stories, insights, and conversations on the challenges and triumphs of life. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on our next episode of After the Smoke Clears. Bye, guys.